Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, thank you for being here if you're here in person, and thank you for watching if you're tuning in online. If this is your first time watching or your first time here tonight, uh, my name is Wade. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're tuned in. Uh, let me go ahead and pray for us before we get started, and then we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, I just thank you for being able to to get up here tonight and preach what you've laid on my heart this week. I just thank you for the strength to get up here, Lord. Thank you for being so faithful to all of us and taking care of us. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, just take control of this service, Lord, and let everything that's said be out of your word, your truth, and not my own beliefs or opinions, God, but what you have sent me to say. And Lord, we just turn it over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been talking about the love of God. And uh, we're going to continue that tonight. I was going to finish it out, you know, in verses 6 through 8, but uh, God didn't lead me in that direction this week, so I actually went backwards to the first three verses, but for the last few weeks, that's where we've been in that little series about the love of God. Uh, and mostly we haven't been talking about what the love of God is. We've been talking mostly about what the love of God is not. You know, we've been talking about how the love of God should be expressed to us, you know, in patience and kindness and being humble and forgiving and uh, all those things. But for the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it should not be you know if we're going to try and share the love of God with people we can't be unkind and we can't be you know impatient we can't be jealous or envious or you know full of pride or you know self-righteousness we can't be rude and irritable and we definitely can't be unforgiving you know that's one of the the most things that we can't be is unforgiving that's what our whole faith is based upon is our forgiveness you know that's what jesus came to do was uh so that we could have forgiveness through him uh, and we've been talking about how everything the love of god should be you know what it should look like can be found in the fruit of the holy spirit you know almost every week i've been sharing with you in galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 uh, the very first fruit of the holy spirit is love and if we have that in us, then the rest of it should be coming out of us. You know, the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and self-control. You know, the Bible says there is no law against those things. So like I said, you know, love is the very first fruit of the Holy Spirit, and then the rest of those things should come after it. And those are the things that should be coming out of us if we have the Holy Spirit in us. And, uh, you know, we talked about if we see all those other things that we just talked about, the pride and the anger and, the, you know, the envy, all those other things, when we see all those things rising up in us, then that should be a, that's what we talked about last time, that should be a red flag to us. If we see those things coming out of us instead of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, we should recognize that those things don't come from God. And when we see those things, it ought to get our attention. If I'm allowing those things to control me, 
you know, my thoughts and my words and my actions, if that's what's coming out of me other than the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that should get our attention and uh, help us to realize that during those times when those things are coming out of me instead of the fruit of the Spirit, then I'm not being led by the Spirit. Because if I am being led by the Holy Spirit, then it'll be the fruit of the Spirit that's coming out of me instead of all those negative things. Uh, I want to cover a few verses about that. Jesus says, you know, we can go around and tell people the godly thing to say all the time. We can come up with the church answer for this and the church answer for that. And those things sound good, but, but if that's not what's coming out of you, then that's not what's inside of you. You know, Jesus said, it don't matter what you claim to have in you. He says what comes out of you actually reveals what is in you. So I want to share with you some verses. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't never want you to take my word for anything. Uh, in Matthew 7, verses 16 through 20, that's what Jesus is talking about. He said, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree, bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So it don't matter what we confess that we have in our hearts. You know, what we do and what we say to other people proves what we have in our hearts. And another example of that uh, from Jesus is in Matthew 12 and verse 34. Uh, people that say that they have the love of God in their heart but don't. You know, Jesus, he calls them a generation of vipers. He says, old generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it don't matter what we confess that we have. It's what we prove ourselves that we have. James talks about that in the book of James, too, uh, in chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. It says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? You know, the King James says salt water and fresh. So you can't get both of those out of the same fountain. You either have God's love in your heart or you don't. Like Jesus said, it's what comes out of us that proves what is actually in us. And uh, like I said, God had me go back to the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to read verses 1 through 3 to you. And uh, that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying if we don't have the love of God in our heart, this is what that would look like. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels... <coughs> but didn't love other people, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You know, without love, we wouldn't gain anything ourselves. We wouldn't, uh, the kingdom of God wouldn't gain anything from what we do. You know, it wouldn't increase the kingdom of God. It wouldn't draw anybody to Christ. Without the love of God, Paul's saying we don't gain anything. You know, all we can do is go through all the motions like we just read there in verses 1 through 3, and we can do all the things. But if I can't show the love of God to somebody, then I've gained nothing. Uh, you know, I know a lot of y'all know I had hernia surgery last week. And uh, if you don't know what a hernia is, that's where you have a tear in your muscle wall, in your abdomen. And when that muscle tears, it creates a opening. You know, it can be a small one, it can be a bigger one. But uh, everything that's inside of you tries to push through that hole and come out you know it's a breach in your muscle wall and if you don't get it fixed eventually it'll just get worse and uh, everything that's inside of you will come out of you and uh, you know that's the same way with our spirits we just read where jesus said that a good tree brings forth good fruit and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and we just read in james that no fountain can bring forth both salt water and fresh water. So when we start noticing bad fruit coming out of ourselves, you know, we, we need to take notice of that. Not just our words and our actions, but when we start noticing bad thoughts, you know, that's where it starts before it becomes words or becomes actions. When we start noticing bad thoughts or bad feelings, uh, you know, when we start noticing that we're producing bad fruit instead of good fruit, even if it hasn't came out yet, we need to realize that there's a breach somewhere. Something's not right. You know, why am I having these bad thoughts? And why am I having these these bad feelings? <coughs> and I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4. That's what it's talking about. It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. That means you've got the love of God in your heart, you're surrendered to the Spirit, and you're producing good fruit. But perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. And what he's saying there is, when you notice that your speech is changing, and it's not good, and it's not wholesome anymore, there's a breach somewhere. <clears throat> when you notice that your thought life is going downhill, when you're not thinking positive things, when you're starting to think negatively about people and you get that critical spirit about you and you realize that's not from God, Proverbs says that is a breach in our spirit. So if bad things are welling up inside you and uh, if you've just let them fester long enough until they're coming out of you, then that is a spiritual hernia, just like a, a physical hernia. You know, you've got something inside you that's trying to get out because you, you've got a hole in your spirit. And it needs to get fixed, just like a phys physical hernia gets fixed. And if we don't fix it, just like a physical hernia, it's going to get worse until you do get it fixed. And I know with mine, before I got it fixed, it really limited what I was able to do. You know, I couldn't do the heavy lifting that I was used to doing. And I couldn't do the work that I wanted to do and that I needed to do 
because there was a breach in my stomach. You know, there was a hernia in my stomach. Every time I'd try to pick up the load that I'm supposed to pick up that day, I could feel it pushing out through that hole. And that's the same thing in our spirit. When we realize that we can't do the things of God, uh, when we get stressed or when it, the load begins to get heavy and the things that start coming out of us are not good, that is a breach in our spirit. You know, Josh had been preaching for the last few weeks on scars and wounds. Uh, and if you have unresolved issues that you haven't dealt with in your life, things that still sting when they pop up, then you don't have a scar yet. You know, that's still an open wound. That's something that you haven't dealt with. Uh, DJ says it all the time at Celebrate Recovery. If it's something that you're still dealing with every day, it don't matter if it happened 20 years ago. It's not in your past. It's affecting you, your daily life right now. So it's not your past. That's your present. It's still an open wound. It hasn't been healed, and you still have a hernia. It hadn't became a scar yet. So, you know, if you've got that in your life, every time you start doing heavy lifting or, or sharing the love of God with somebody, uh, if you do have a breach in your spirit, it's going to keep you from doing the work that you're called to do. Just like it, this one was keeping me from doing the work that I'm called to do here. Just like I said in James earlier, you know, we can't get fresh water and salt water from the same source. And uh, I'm not going to do it, but I'm pretty sure if I was to ask everybody here to, to raise your hands, if you have, you know, some kind of an unresolved issue in your life that still bothers you, I believe everybody's hands would go up. And I know mine would. I think we've all got things that we just hadn't dealt with. You know, we didn't, something that we don't want to deal with, something that we just brush aside and act like it never happened. But that's not the way things heal. That remains an open wound until we deal with it. And even if your hand didn't go up, uh, I would bet there's something in the back of your mind that you don't want to talk about, something that you've never told anybody. I was watching a, an old Western on TV this week, and uh, this guy was helping his wife get their house cleaned up because they were expecting some company to come over. And they wanted it to look good when, you know, when the people got there. And uh, it was pretty funny to see it on TV, you know, when she wasn't looking. He was sweeping. He just peeled the rug up and swept all the dirt under the rug. You know, she turned around and caught him, and that was funny. But it's not funny in real life because... That's what we do with the things that we don't want to deal with. We try to sweep them under the rug and just act like it's not there. And uh, the problem with that is it is still there. And at the worst possible time, you know, a big gust of wind is going to come through the door and it'll blow the rug away and then that dirt and that dust is going to fly all over the place. It don't go away just because we act like it's not there. And, uh, you know, it's going to get all over you, and it's going to get all over all the people that you're trying to hide it from. <clears throat> you know, we got to remember that we're talking about the love of God. The enemy's crafty, and he knows that when you have all that stuff built up, he's going to push your buttons at the worst possible time. 
just like that big gust of wind coming through the door and blowing the rug away, he'll push your buttons at the worst possible time when you're trying to, to witness to somebody and you'll wind up losing your cool and blowing up on them or saying or doing something that you shouldn't. So those things that you think really don't matter do matter, and we have to we have to deal with them. You know, the Bible says that the love of God is pure, and we can't truly share it if our hearts are full of things that we have not dealt with. Uh, if we go back to the book of James again, that's what he's talking about in those verses that we looked at just a while ago, is sharing the love of God with other people. If we go back to chapter 3 of James and read verses 9 and 10, it says, Therewith we, we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You know, we can't say we love God and harbor resentment towards other people. The Bible's very clear, you know. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment. We're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to love other people as ourselves. And, uh, you know, I deal with that myself a lot. And uh, if you've got that person that you have forgiven, and you truly have forgiven them, but you can be having a, a perfect day and just hear their name pop up, and your whole demeanor changes, and your whole countenance falls, you know, does anybody have something like that in your life that you say you've dealt with and you have forgiven, but every time you hear about it, it just sends you on a spiral? I've got things like that in my life. You know, when somebody brings it up, there's nothing you can do about it. It changes your whole demeanor. It changes your whole countenance. It'll, and if you let it, it'll ruin your day. And uh, if you do have something in your life like that, <clears throat> that don't mean that you didn't forgive them. That means you w wasn't sincere when you said you forgave them. I mean, there's people in my life that I have forgave. But that didn't erase what they did to me. And every time I think about it or every time it's brought up, that's something I have to deal with again. So like I said, that don't when that does pop up and it does count, you know, cause your countenance to fall or your demeanor to change or whatever, that don't mean you didn't forgive them and that don't make you a spiritual failure. That just means you need to take that to God right then before you let it spiral you and ask him to help you to forgive them again. You know, there's some things that happen to us in our lives we don't just forget about. You know, every time we hear about it, it is going to bother us. You know, whether we live to be 110 or not, there's some things that are just always going to sting. And uh, like I said, that don't mean that your forgiveness wasn't sincere. I have sincerely forgave people for the things they've done <coughs> to me. But every time somebody brings those topics up, it still stings. And I still have to go back to God and uh, ask him to help me forgive them again. You know, what did Jesus tell Peter when he asked him, how many times should I forgive my brother? Uh, Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. You know, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? You know, Peter was looking for a set number so he could say, all right, I've done it. 
and now I'm tired of doing it. I did it seven times, and I'm finished. But Jesus told him no. He said, I say unto you, not seven times, but until 70 times seven. So <clears throat> he didn't tell him that something, you know, that you do one time and you're done and you don't have to do it anymore. He told him, he pretty much told him as often as you need to, as often as it pops up, even if it's every day, if somebody brings up that thing that stings you, whatever that is. You know, i got things in my life that sting me. you got things that sting you. But uh, he says it never comes a point where we can say, okay, I've forgiven enough, now I can stop forgiving, or I can stop feeling bad about that. He's saying you need to do that every time you need to do that, even if it's 70 times a day. It's when we get tired of forgiving and allow those thoughts to remain and we decide that I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm not going to forgive that anymore, and we think we've paid enough for it, that's when it becomes sin. You know, Jesus says, if it pops up every day, forgive it every day. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, that don't sound fair. Life is not fair. And things happen to us that we can't explain, and things that shouldn't happen to us. But God is really clear about we're supposed to forgive. <laughs> even when it's not fair and even when it's not easy. And when we get to the point where we're tired of forgiving it, even if it is the same thing repeatedly over and over and over, when we get to the point where we decide that it's our choice that I'm not going to forgive anymore, that's when it becomes sin, and that's when it ends in destruction. Uh, we can see that in the story of Cain and Abel. If you go to Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. It says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Just like my countenance falls when certain things are, are brought up about things that happen to me. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you wroth or angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. He's warning Cain right here. He's like, when you get angry, that's not a sin yet. You know, if you let that fester and you let that follow through, it's not going to be good. And, uh, you know, God didn't condemn Cain because he got mad, and he didn't condemn Cain because his countenance fell. He actually tried to give him some guidance and some help and tell him, you need to stop it right here before it goes any further. <clears throat> but Cain didn't listen. So God don't condemn us either when our countenance falls, and he don't condemn us either when we get mad. It's when we allow those things to remain and we don't deal with them, we condemn ourselves. When we allow those things to remain inside of us, and then ultimately when we do that, we let that thing control us. And uh, we see that if we read forward one more verse in Genesis 4 verse 8. and says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass 
when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. You know, he murdered his own brother because he wouldn't, he wouldn't deal with his anger. He wouldn't uh, take these things to God and get God's help with them. And uh, we think that's extreme. You know, we may not kill our brother, but we do the, we do the same thing. In First John chapter three, verse fifteen. It says, whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. So if we're harboring hate in our hearts, if we're harboring resentment and uh, unforgiveness in our hearts, we're no better than Cain was. You know, sin is sin. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him, it says. <coughs> and if we have that you know, that anger, that hatred, or whatever it is, build up in our hearts. We'll never effectively share the love of God if our hearts aren't pure. We'll always have that mindset that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, that we got the people over here that I like, that do the things that I'm okay with, and I love them, and I'll be patient with them, and I'll be kind with them. But these other people, uh, you know, I just can't forgive them for what they did to me, so I'm going to put them over here in this category because <clears throat> because they're unworthy. So, you know, we can't do that. We're all equal in the sight of God. No matter what they've done to us, we have to forgive them. And uh, we don't have to be okay with what they did, but for our own sake, we have to forgive them. So how do we wind up with a mindset like that? You know, we don't just get up one day and, and have a mindset like that. It happens a little bit at a time. And, uh, you know, I love it when the Holy Spirit moves to where I can see, you know, on Sunday morning and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, it seems like we all wind up preaching and teaching about the same things. And, uh, you know, a lot of you might think we get together and talk about it, you know, what we're preaching and teaching on so that we'll all be on the same page. But we don't do that. We hardly ever even see each other, you know. I never tell Josh or DJ what, what I'm preaching about, and neither one of them ever tells me what they're preaching or, or teaching about. Uh, but DJ's been teaching on the same thing in Celebrate Recovery. He's been teaching on this thing called complex trauma. And uh, complex trauma is where we wind up with this mindset of, you know, we're critical of other people because of things that have happened to us. And it can be a whole bunch of little things or it can be, you know, one big major thing that happened to us in life that we just can't get over. Uh, you know, we feel justified in our anger or, or however we feel about the other person. And we wind up with that mindset of I'll never forgive them no matter what. It don't matter what God's word said. I feel I have the right to not forgive them for that. And we can't share the love of God with a mindset like that. But whether it's a whole bunch of little things or whether it's a big thing, either way, when we have a mindset like that, left alone and undealt with, that is a wound. And uh, it's still a hernia that's keeping you from doing the work that God has called you to do. And it's still a stumbling block for yourself, you know, that you can't experience the love of God. And not only keep you from sharing the gospel and the love of God with other people, it's keeping you from experiencing the love 
and the peace that God has for you in your own life. Uh, I know that from experience. You know, I've heard it said, you know, unforgiveness and bitterness and all those things, that's like me drinking poison hoping that you die. And that, that don't work. So no matter how big your rug is, and no matter how many times you sweep stuff under it, you know what's under there. And uh, as long as you know what's under there and you haven't dealt with it yet, then you're never going to have real peace in your own heart until you get it out from under the rug and get it get it cleaned up. Uh, I like the way here lately it seems, I don't know, like the Holy Spirit saying we need to bring things into the light, get it out of darkness, and that's what we try to do. We try to take things that we don't want to deal with and just keep it hidden in a dark place where we don't have to to talk about it. We don't have to see it. We don't have to think about it. And we can actually start moving forward a little bit until we and act like everything's just fine. Until, like I said, somebody brings something up or says a name or, you know, until that thing that we haven't dealt with comes to the surface. And then we're right back down Again, our countenance falls, and we're right back where we started. Until we face that thing and get it taken care of, that'll happen to us just over and over and over. And the sooner you deal with it, the sooner you'll have the freedom that you're actually looking for. And like I said, I'm telling you that out of personal experience. I'm not up here judging anybody. I'm telling you that's what I did to myself. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to Morristown and uh, rent a lift so we could work on some of these lights and stuff. And I remember on the driving back, I was thinking, you know, man, I wish people could just experience the freedom <laughs> that comes with just being yourself, you know, after you've got everything out of the darkness, after you've got everything out of hiding, everything out from under your rug, and you've got nothing to hide, and dealing with all that stuff, getting it over with, and actually putting it in the past where it belongs, and just being able to relax and not having to appear good enough to other people, you know, not having to try to look godly and keep all these other things hid and hope nobody finds out about them. You know, I spent a long time like that and put a lot of effort into it, and I was miserable. But on the other side of that, you know, it's been seven years since I, you know, fully confessed and surrendered my will to God and actually faced these things and got them taken care of and put in my past. You know, I had no idea how much freedom there was in just being myself. I don't have to act like somebody. All I got to do is be me. I don't have to act a different way here than I do anywhere else. I don't have to act any different <clears throat> here than I do home. If somebody comes over to see me, I don't have to act any different because they're there. I can be me all the time. And I, I had never had that before. And, man, that is a lot of freedom in that. If you're hiding things under the rug and there's things that you don't want to deal with because you know they're going to hurt or you just don't want somebody else to find out about it, you'll never have peace until you deal with those things. It'll take every bit of energy you got trying to be 
this here and this here and this here and this here until you can just be yourself all the time it'll consume your energy and it'll it'll take your joy from you too it did mine you know god don't want us to live that way <clears throat> you'll never be happy living that way and god don't want us to be miserable all the time uh Josh said something, I think it was last Sunday. I can't remember if it was this Sunday or the, or the Sunday before that. But there's a Matthew West song. And uh, part of the lyrics in that song says the church should look more like a hospital. You know, the song's about we should be able to come into the church and spill our guts and get the healing that we need here in the church. And that's what the church should look like. It should look like a hospital. This is where we should be able to get the healing. We shouldn't have to hide our problems when we go to church, so we'll be accepted. And that's what Jesus said, too. Uh, in Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Can you look that up on the NLT too, Travis? Sorry, I didn't put that in my notes. You know, we hear verse 17 preached on a lot, you know, about Jesus saying those that are whole uh, need a don't need a physician, but those that are sick. But, uh, the reason Jesus even said that is because of this verse, Mark 2, verse 16. It says, when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Uh, the reason we hear verse 17 preached so much is because of verse 16. You know, Jesus is answering the church people that are looking down on the, not just the people that he's eating with, they're looking down on the Lord himself because he's hanging out with sinners. You know, the church shouldn't be a place where the godly can congregate and look down on other people. <laughs> Excuse me. Jesus said he didn't come to call the righteous, but he called, he come to call sinners to repentance. Uh, in Romans 3, in verse 10, it says, There's none righteous. No, not one. And in Romans 3, 23, it says, We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when we put all those verses together, that says, There's none righteous, and we've all sinned. So Jesus is calling all of us to repentance. So we can all be forgiven. And so we can all be healed we all need a physician. Anybody that can elevate themselves to a place where they can look down on other people and say, how could you be like that? We all need the same mercy from God. We all need the same forgiveness. And, uh, you know, that's not the attitude the church should have. That's not the attitude that we can have and share the love of God. So Jesus called us all to repentance, not some of us. He was telling that to reveal them to themselves that you're not righteous either. You know, you're just as sick as the people I'm eating with. 
So we all need the forgiveness of God, and we all need healing. And uh, when we get that, then we can truly share with others what God has done for us. And once we've received it, instead of elevating ourselves above them, we should be willing to turn around and give them the same hope that we needed, that God can do that for them too. You know, I tell you all the time that you can't share what you don't have. And if you're not experiencing the love of God in your own life, you'll never be able to share it with anybody else. You know, if you're drowning uh, in the water, you're not going to be concerned about saving somebody else. You know, they could be drowning right next to you, and uh, you're not going to care because you're drowning. You need help. Uh, so think about it. You know, what is it that's nagging at you that you probably haven't, haven't even told anybody about, but it's on your mind every day? You know, what is that for you? I think everybody has one. I know I, I had plenty of them. And to this day, I still have some, and I'm working on them. We should all be a work in progress all the time. And uh, we were just talking about this earlier, uh, sitting right there. As soon as we get this problem solved, there's another one <coughs> going to come along right behind that one. We're always going to have something to deal with. You know, as soon as we get this problem fixed, there will be another problem. So it is a daily process, and it's a daily thing. You know, like Jesus told Peter, it's not just a one-and-done thing. It's constantly staying on top of the things that are keeping you from being submitted to and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I would encourage you. I did this for a couple of years when I first came to Christ. I kept a list of the fruit of the Spirit around where I could see it, uh, in a bunch of different places. I kept one in my van. I kept one at work, kept one at home. And uh, when I would recognize things coming out of myself that weren't on that list, then, you know, I'd talk to myself. I'd be like, which fruit of the Spirit is that, Brother Wade? And if it wasn't on the list, then I realized, you know, that's not from God. That's something I need to deal with. I need to find out why that is coming out. And I need to need to take care of it quick because the longer it's in there the worse it's going to get and uh, you know i say it all the time i need to nip it in the bud like barney fife says because when we don't deal with these things in our hearts we wind up with that i call it a jonah mindset if you've never read the book of jonah uh, i would recommend you read it it's only four chapters long it's a really short book i mean if you read pretty good at all you could probably read it and at the most 30 minutes it's a really good short book but uh, it's a really good example for us too and if you can see any of yourself in the book of jonah then you know you got work to do that's a perfect example of what we're talking about tonight you know jonah had got to the point god was trying to send him to witness to the people called the ninevites and uh Jonah hated the Ninevites. He didn't want to go be a witness to them. Uh, he didn't want to share the gospel with them. He didn't want them to have a chance. He had put them in that category that we just talked about. If they're not worthy to witness to. They don't deserve the mercy of God. And uh, that's where Jonah had gotten himself to. That's why I called it a Jonah mindset. He done made his mind up and judged them himself that they were not worthy of God's forgiveness. 
But after a long fight with God and a, a couple other things, Jonah finally and reluctantly did what God asked him to do. And he did go to Nineveh and he did preach and the whole country uh, got saved because of it. But he didn't want to do it. When he finally did do what God asked him to do, he did it reluctantly. And I believe, you know, when we have these things in our hearts, we might wind up doing what God says to do, but we're not going to do it with a pure heart, and we're not going to do it out of love. We're going to do it reluctantly, just like Jonah did. And, uh, you know, we'll just be going through the motions, like we talked about earlier. We're not going to be serving God because we love God and because we have the love of God in our heart. We'll just be doing it the same way Jonah did. We'll be fighting and scratching the whole way. Uh, you know, if you're not enjoying serving the Lord, and if it's become a burden to you, you need to ask yourself why, because there is a reason if you feel that way. Uh, I'll share just a few verses with you out of Jonah as an example. Uh, this is after God had spared Nineveh, after Jonah had went and preached. You know, it made Jonah angry. He didn't even want God to forgive him. He didn't want them to be forgiven. And, uh, you know, he went out of the city and turned around and sat down so he could watch the city. He wanted to watch God destroy them. That's what he wanted to see. He didn't want them to be forgiven. But in Jonah chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 with you. It says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah because God had planned to destroy the Ninevites if they didn't repent. But they did, so God changed his plans and forgave them. And uh, it says it made Jonah very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And God is. And uh, that's the God we need to preach about, not the hellfire and brimstone God. Brim, brimstone God. God is a forgiving God. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So that made God or made Jonah mad because God forgave somebody just because he didn't like him. And Jonah knew what God did was right. You know, like we just read, he knew God was a loving and forgiving God, but he had became so full of hate for those people. He didn't want to be godly. He didn't want to do what God told him to do. And he didn't even want God to be godly. He tried to talk God out of forgiving those people. When we get to the point where we don't even want God to be godly, that's bad. So no, no matter how small the thoughts in your head are, or no, no matter how justified you might feel in having those thoughts, if they're not godly thoughts, then those are things you know we need to deal with. Those are things that need to go. And uh, those are the things that will hold you in bondage until you do deal with them. You know, it'll nag at you constantly. Like I said, I think everybody's got something that every day just keeps nagging at your mind. And there's a reason for that. 
We need to find out what it is and bring it to God and take care of it. We've got to face it. Uh, and the way to do that, you know, we have to be super honest with God about it. Not say the, the churchy prayer or the what we consider to be the godly prayer. Be like Job did and tell God how we really feel. If you hate somebody, tell God, I hate that person. And ask him to help you with it, and he will. God honors truth, and he honors an honest confession. So if we honestly confess to God, he will help us. And uh, get somebody else in your life that you can talk to involved. But uh, don't just talk to anybody. Find somebody that actually you can see the fruit of the Spirit being played out in their life. Find somebody that you can actually see the love of God in and talk to them about it. And they'll help you. They'll lead you and guide you and they'll help you to get the healing that you need. Uh, we just read a while ago, you know, that Jesus himself said, those that are sick need a physician. You know, there's no shame in being sick. We're all sick, it said. And we also read a while ago, we're all sinners. There's no shame in that. But we all need the same thing. We need Jesus. And we need the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Not only to share the love of God with others, but so we can experience the freedom and the love and the joy of the Lord for ourselves in our own lives. You know, nobody's going to believe the Jesus you talk about on Sunday if you're not living him out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If they don't see that in your life, they're not going to believe it. And if you're not living it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, then you don't have it, and you're, you're missing out on it yourself. God don't want you to live like that. He wants you to experience His love and His peace in your life. And uh, don't, don't let people tell you that little things don't matter. Little things do matter. You know, we can't just take care of the big obvious things that everybody sees. You know, if it seems small and stupid to you, it's not. You know, it's anything that's keeping you from the Lord. It's not small, and it's not stupid. If it's big enough to keep you from experiencing the love of God, then it, it's a problem, and uh, God will help you deal with it. So there are no small problems. There is no small nagging in your head that, that keeps you from God. Anything that keeps you from God is a, a big thing in the eyes of God. So don't let nobody belittle whatever whatever your problem is. If it's a problem for you, bring it to God and He'll help you deal with it. But, like I always tell you, the, the number one thing to have if we're going to deal with these problems is the Holy Spirit. We can't fight those things on our own. We can't. We don't have the power. We don't have the strength. And uh, we need the Holy Spirit. And the only way we get that is by surrendering our hearts and our lives to Jesus. And if you haven't done that yet and received the Holy Spirit, then you need to. And uh, I encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, the Bible says in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All that means is, if you realize you're a sinner, and the Bible says we're all sinners, and you need a Savior, 
Just cry out to Jesus and tell him, I need you. I need a Savior. I don't know what to do with my life. And he'll meet you right there where you are. And if you're doing that today, it says, tell somebody about it. Confession is made unto salvation. And when you tell somebody else, today I've gave my life to Christ, and I've asked him to come in and, and be my Lord. Turn your life over to him and start being obedient to him, and he will help you. And the Bible says you shall be saved. And uh, it don't matter how bad your past is. I always like to share these verses with you. Don't let nobody tell you you went too far and uh, you're in the unworthy category. There is no unworthy category. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It don't matter what you've done. And uh, if people have told you that you got to get it all together before you come to church, you need to get cleaned up and go to church, that's not true either. And I always like to share this verse with you in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, God commended or showed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knew we were all sinners. That's why Jesus came. He died for us because we are sinners. So don't let nobody lie to you and tell you you've been too bad or that you have to get cleaned up before you come to church. Come to church just the way you are. And you don't even have to come to church. Go to Christ right where you are. You can get saved on your couch sitting at home. Just invite Jesus into your heart and tell him your need for him. Believe in your heart that he is who he said he is and that he's alive today. And uh, ask him to come in and be your Lord, and he will do it. But that's all I have for tonight. <clears throat> I always try to give you some homework. Like I said, uh, the book of Jonah is a very short book. It's only four short chapters. They're not even long chapters. Uh if you get time tonight or make time this week, uh, read the book of Jonah. That's a really good one. And see if you recognize anything in there about yourself. You know, are there people in your life that you view the way that Jonah viewed the Ninevites? Or if you're having a problem being obedient to God like he was. Uh, just look at the verses in there where it says God is a good God, a forgiving God. and All those things and help that lead you and guide you back to the place where you need to be, where we can be the love of God that somebody else needs, so we can be the hands and feet <coughs> of Jesus to share the gospel with others. But thank you all for coming out if you're here in person, and thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. Uh, that's all I've got for tonight. I'll pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, I thank you for helping me to get up here and preach tonight. I thank you for that message, Lord, that you gave me. I know it's something I have to use daily in my own life, Lord. And I just pray for everybody that's here and everybody that watched online, Lord, and everybody that will watch this in the future. I just pray, Father, that you'll help us to, to take these things that you've given us and use them, Lord, to daily bring things to you that keep us from doing what you ask us to do. For think, from thinking the way that we should think and from loving the way that we should love, Lord. Help us to be able to identify the things in our life that shouldn't be there and give us the courage, Lord, to deal with them and to know that we don't deal with them on our own and uh, we don't have to be afraid of it because you are the one that does the work. All we have to do is bring it to you and surrender it to you. And, Lord, we love you and we thank you for that. And we just thank you for...
for loving us. So we just give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.